You are listening to an American Theater podcast. American Theater is a publication of Theater Communications Group. www.americantheater.org. Hi, I'm Deep Tran. I'm Jose Solis, and we are your token theater friends, the people who go to the theater and are usually the only people of color in a theater.、Mm-hmm. We're also friends who like to talk about theater with each other. How are you doing, Jose? I'm hearing voices. I feel like Joan of Arc. Maybe, <laughs> maybe because she was like I saw the first part of Henry the Sixth yesterday,、mm-hmm. and she was one of the characters. Oh, so, like, I. But this Shakespeare's Henry the Sixth. I didn't know、yeah. J- Joan of Arc was a character in Shakespeare's Henry the Sixth. I didn't know either. I was so excited about it because, like, I don't want to go into this, but like, I love Joan of Arc. Like when I was in the third grade, I made an hour-long presentation of Joan of Arc. Like my classmates, like I wasn't very popular. My classmates weren't happy with me. Did you relate to her on like a visceral level somehow? Uh, yeah. I, thought she, I just thought being a rebel. Was, Yeah, but I just thought it was really cool to see like a woman, you know, with an armor and like kicking men's asses. And、mm-hmm. when I was little, and I was like, I don't know why like queer kids, like queer male kids, like identify with like female figures so much. But I loved Joan of Arc. Yeah, well, I feel like she was the original drag king. You <laughs> say she was. Or she made an armor look pretty cool. So. Mm-hmm, Not、mm-hmm. everyone can pull that off, and I especially love like the the Met Gala this year. Like I, I think like there are multiple Joan of Arc inspired Zendaya. looks. Zendaya, Zendaya、oh、is Joan God, of Arc. She's、yeah. so gorgeous. Anyway, enough about Joan of Arc. What are we talking about today? We are talking about Head Over Heels now playing at the Hudson Theater on Broadway, and Fiddler on the Roof running at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Yes, and we don't have an interview because it is the summer is winding down in New York City, and shows are clo- more shows are closing than are opening during this time. So, honestly, we couldn't really find anyone to interview. Everyone's in the Hamptons. Yeah, everyone's in the Hamptons, including some of our journalist friends. In which <laughs> case, you know who you are for not inviting us to the Hamptons or Fire Island or Fire Island or P Town. What, what's P Town? Phil- Philly Town. Oh yeah, Provincetown sounds very bougie. It's so far away, also so very far away. So we're just wrapping up our summer theater going and gearing up again for September when all of the shows open after Labor Day weekend. Are you excited for the fall, Jose? I'm always excited for the fall, mostly because the heat's over. So yay! <laughs> was Houston very hot? Oh yes, I was just in Houston. Yes, it was. And the thing is, Houston is worse than New York. In that, it's hot all year round, and you just get random rainstorms. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, well, it's like New York in the summer, where it just rains randomly for like ten minutes, and then and then it clears up. Yeah, but lovely. I had some great food in Houston. I I saw your Instagram. Yeah, Houston has like a really diverse food scene because, according to the mayor, it is the most diverse city in America, which means the food is great. Like. I had barbecue. I had queso. I had Mexican,、uh, and I had Vietnamese、At、and Vietnamese fusion. Time, I hope. Yes, all of those things like in a big dipping like Vietnamese and queso. Yeah, that that is the dream.、Barbecue. Yeah, 
That's a dream to just dip everything in melted cheese. <laughs> melted cheese is magic. Uh, I remember once there was the, the show I saw at Lincoln Center Theater. They had it was called "Stop Hitting Yourself" by the Rude Max. I don't know if you remember that show, Mm-mm. but in, it was just about rich people. And at the very end, there they threw queso at each other because there was a queso fountain in the corner of the set. Such a waste. Such a waste. But you know what? So extra and amazing at the same time. <laughs> because, you know, in experimental theater, do, do, do you ever feel like there's just a lot of fluids like being thrown at people? Do you or mean on- like actors who spit a lot? Not, not, not even that. No, like I, I remember, like recently, I saw a show at the Park Avenue Armory. It was called The Damned, and it was directed by Eva Van Hove. And at the end, they tarred and feathered one of the actors. Charming. I know, but I feel like with the the big experiment, like most of the time in experimental theater, I feel like there is usually a dance break. There's usually breaking of fourth walls, and someone is being covered in some kind of fluid. <laughs> I know, but you know what? That's why it's avant-garde or something because, you know, theater's very clean. We we don't mess things up in the theater. And I think like cheese is like a perfect segue to talk about head over heels, <laughs> which is it's basically like queso or like fondue. Uh, head over so head over heels background it is conceived by Jeff Witte, who wrote Avenue Q, and it was adapted by an original book by Jeff Witte, adapted by James McGruder, because Jeff Witte left the process, the creative team, like, after the war premiere of the musical at Oregon Shakespeare Festival. There's a lot of drama there, obviously. <laughs> and it features music and lyrics by the Go-Go's. It's basically a Go-Go's jukebox musical, where and the story is set in Greece, but everyone's dressed up like they're Elizabeth, Elizabethan Renaissance characters. It's about a kingdom... Some kingdom called Arcadia, fictional kingdom, where everyone goes to a certain beat. (laughs) They have the beat, and the beat is constant, and the beat means rules and restrictions and patriarchy. And the whole show is about them trying to branch out from the beat and discovering a new way of existence that is outside of traditional norms about gender and sexuality. So it is a big queer summer celebration. And it also features the drag queen Peppermint, who is in RuPaul's Drag Race. She's amazing. And she is amazing. Yeah, like... And she's very pretty. You know, like, listening to you describe the show right now, this show is so hard to describe it yeah because most of the fun is just no is is just seeing like the really batshit twist and turns that it takes the thing is do not expect shakespeare they look like shakespeare the characters look like they're in a shakespeare play but it's not a shakespeare play it is this it it is fun it's just fun and it's delightful and the music doesn't really go with the costuming yeah, and it's it's so exciting because like usually when you think about a jukebox musical and something like the Go Go's, for instance, like they could have perfectly just had a musical about like 
the go-go's you know like trying to make it happen and just have mm-hmm. like a bio jukebox musical so the fact that they went with something so bonkers it's like who was what was jeff woody smoking when he came up with this i don't know but it must have been amazing because this show is so you know it's like i i loved it like i don't i wish i had like better words but i i did i loved it i had so much fun and one of my favorite things about the show is that you know it is a show about going beyond gender norms and what people think is acceptable or not Mm -hmm. And I love that just by being a jukebox musical that's not the traditional jukebox musical. Like the show itself and its structure is like representing what the show is about in terms of the plot. Like it's so like, I don't know if groundbreaking is the right, I mean, it is groundbreaking. Like Peppermint is the first trans Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. women to originate a part on Broadway which is insane yeah. it's 2018 it's, it's insane 2018. and she's fabulous but like everything about you know I think nothing about the musical should work if mm-hmm. you think about it like in terms of like all the different elements and yet mm-hmm. everything just works and what I really loved was okay so I haven't seen Pose on FX, but the, from what, from hearing like all the conversations about it, it kind of like the way that the show is choreographed, where there's a lot of voguing and there's a lot of, um, that there's not a lot, like in, in, in traditional Broadway choreography, it's usually like a girl guy, you know, duet kind of thing, but they don't really do a lot of that. It's a lot of group dancing. It's a lot of posing from the chorus. Like that chorus is like one of the, I think it's one of the, better choruses on Broadway right now and and just the way that the costumes worked where it's a little bit modern because there is like there would be ruffled tops but like a mini skirt it kind of reminded me of the ball culture or like all of the photos I've and videos I've seen of the ball culture in New York City which was like a very heightened stylized and and also very queer and inclusive, beautiful space where people, there's no story. It is just about style and doing that and doing one particular style very well. And I'm really glad that you brought up voguing because like one of my favorite things about the show in terms of the costumes was, and this is just me being like an obnoxious Madonna fan right now, but the costume designer is, her name is Ariane Phillips. And she mm-hmm. was Madonna's personal stylist for the longest time. I loved her costumes. Yes. And, you know, like, it's very... I mean, Madonna obviously appropriated, like, Vogue and ball culture for her own... Yeah. Mm-hmm. We won't get into, like, Madonna's, like... Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, she also dressed up as a geisha, so yeah. <laughs> Madonna's we, yeah. problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Madonna, but, yeah, you have some issues. But, you know, like, I love this, that she was also bringing this, you know, part of Voguing that... For better or for worse, I think Madonna also brought to the mainstream. Because back in the 90s, like, you know, like, Vogue was, even though she's a white lady, a lot of people knew about voguing and ball culture through Madonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She mainstreamed it for everyone else who wasn't a person of color. Yep. And queer. And uh, we need to talk. And so I got to give credit to Spencer Lift for that choreography. So good. So good. So good. Yeah, the thing is, I, I'm not a big fan of the Go-Go's. I mean, 
and like as a kid of the 80s like i i know a couple songs but it's but i feel like it's like a prior generational kind of music like the generation before us and so what i really loved was the show was both traditional in that it's a jukebox musical about family and love and it's fun it's a fun musical comedy but it's also very modern at the same time in 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 its exploration of the different roles that the different ways that we can love someone and mm. and and like we can love someone for what they do and we or we can also love someone for the way that they, they look and those things may not always correlate and we and all of the different ways that queerness can represent itself so so i feel like those themes like took what could be have been like a really traditional musical and and made it more modern for more contemporary younger audiences absolutely and i also love that uh michael uh mayer who directed it does something that's really wonderful because since the show is already so weird like mm -hmm. i have no idea what the marketing people for the show are doing because it's so crazy but anyway yeah my favorite thing about what michael mayer does is that he knows that the show is so bizarre and so you know crazy that he just goes nuts with it and he does whatever he wants with his direction oh, it's like, camp yeah it's pure camp but it's like you know it's like very transgressive and like for instance like one of uh the most famous songs by belinda carlisle uh is mad about you and he mm -hmm. has a man in drag saying the song yeah and he's thinking about the girl he loves and it's just like this is so cool like <laughs> this is so cool and then like you know like one of my favorite moments was uh when they do heaven is a place on earth because how can they not right yeah Yeah, but then like that was like one of my favorite sequences. I, I I didn't I couldn't predict like how I thought the way they did it wasn't how I thought they were going to do exactly, it. Exactly, because you're thinking like we won't spoil it because it's pretty cool. So try not to read how they do it. But mm -hmm. you know, like when you have such a big song, most musicals would have done like you know the the final song of the first act, for instance, and just like done like some like elaborate crazy number that's very obvious. But nothing about how they do this song. And head over heels is obvious, like or any of the songs, really, because yeah. like there, there's one song, like it's you know, vaca vacation, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so cool, <laughs> gotta get away, and the w person who sings it is some is a lesbian who is in love with, she's a lesbian maid who's in love with her mistress, and she has to leave because she can't, you know, she can't deal with the unrequitedness of it, and so she goes on vacation to the island of Lesbos. <laughs> And there's, and there's mermaids and she's singing about vacation and this is one of those times where oh my god i wish i was high right now because i would have <laughs> had so much more fun i had a blast like i yeah. would you go see this show again no, wait i mean that's yeah don't spoil end. don't spoil i'm not gonna tell you my answer and Fine. oh one more thing like it's like not only there's like racial diversity in the cast i really have to like there's also like physical diversity because yeah. the main one of the main characters in the show is is pamela and she's the one who's they say is the most beautiful woman she's and she's desired by everyone and she's played by bonnie milligan who is a full-figured actress who is not like way a size zero and she's and she's gorgeous and hilarious and hilarious and it's just so refreshing to see someone who is desirable 
who doesn't look the traditional way. And also Peppermint is loved by both men and women in the show. And she is, and she is also not a size zero. Right. And, and different shows, I think that if we had actors like Bonnie and Peppermint, they would have made a point of highlighting this that yeah. you're talking about. And in Head Over Heels, they never even mention it. No. It's just so matter of fact, like, you know, I felt that Head Over Heels was the Broadway show that I wish the people, all the kids who were at Be More Chill could afford to go yes. see. Yes. Yes. Like all those kids who want to Be More Chill, just wait 10 years when they have some money and then they... <laughs> also for our generation too who like grew up on RuPaul's Drag Race and who can't afford to see it now and I feel like if they could figure out how to market it more towards people our age like they it could be something yes please don't close head over heels please don't close it I mean I'm that was quite a young audience I saw I mean not like young like teenage young but young like my age at the show and they had a good time and so figure out how to market it better please please Okay, next up is... Okay, do you want to intro Fiddler on the Roof? Well, Fiddler on the Roof is pretty much the same Fiddler on the Roof that you either love or don't love. It's a story about tradition, about an Orthodox Jewish man called Tevya, who's basically trying to make a living in Russia and before the revolution. And he has daughters, and because it's, you know, they're Orthodox and it's like the turn of the century, he has to get all his daughters married to the right suitors. But the daughters, thankfully, are rebellious, and none of them end up with the people that he would like them to be. And it's a show that, you know, I, I feel there's like one of those musicals that's always relevant. And I know that sounds very corny mm-hmm. or very cheesy mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's always relevant. And the version that is running at the Museum of Jewish Heritage right now is special because it's completely in Yiddish. Yeah. And it's produced by the National Yiddish Theater, Theater Folksbien. And also uh, directed by the amazing Tony winner, Oscar winner, Joel Gray of Cabaret. Did you know he shares a birthday with me? <gasps> no! <laughs> it's like the only like famous person who was born the same day I was. So it's like, I um, love him. Oh my God. That, that, that's why you have so much personality as a host. <laughs> <laughs> I just say I'm creepy like the MC. <laughs> Not just creepy. He has no. He's also oddly alluring. The MC. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah. What do you think that the Yiddish added to the show? Because I think that's you know that's like the big, I don't know, like difference about this production that the way it's being marketed. So, do you think it added anything that other versions you've seen didn't have? 
Um, the only other version I've seen was a touring version starring like the original Tevya on Broadway. But and like the thing is, I don't know that much about Orthodox Jewish culture to culture to know if there was like a heightened, you know, authenticity to it. But there were some interesting like translation things. Like if I were a rich man was it was translated. They're super titles, so you can just read it if you don't know the lyrics already. In Russian and English. In Russian and English. And if I was a rich man was translated into English as if I were if I was a Rothschild. There's yeah, they were they were like a pretty rich family. And in fact, uh, Sheldon Harnick did another musical entirely about the Rothschild family called the Rothschilds. And it's a musical that doesn't get produced very often. But I love that you pointed that out because I was also like, oh, this is so interesting. Like, and yeah. it, it added yeah. like something else because like it forces people to like go do like research and like go immerse themselves in the history a little bit. Like yeah. that, that thing in the back, you know, the, the, the sign. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't bother reading the program before I sat down. So I, I never read the program before I sit down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't read anything. But oh. did, you, did you read about that sign in the back? No. What did it say? <gasps> remember? Oh, it's so cool. Because I don't want to give it away, but like, read it right now. Okay. Like, remember remember what happens to the sign at the end of the first act? Yes. And read the bottom line that Joel Gray says. Yeah. All right. All right. That's why, yeah. So that's why, like, all the people who, you know, who can read Hebrew, they, like, gasp when that happened and I was like what's going on <laughs> well I I'm, I assume like that sign meant, meant something important right. it's like you, you can understand it's interesting because even though I'm not Jewish and I don't know I'm not close to very many Jewish people like but you, you understand from context mm-hmm. which is why like I love going to see theater and translation sometimes just because like even it's a, even though it's a different language, like we, there's also universal language. Oh yeah, of humanity. Yes, and Joel Gray does such a great job directing this. Like you know, like he yeah. does so much with, with the space with and, so little. Yes, literally, there is no set. Is there a set? Yeah, is there a set, Jose? There's, I mean, I mean, I don't want to like shade the set designer. No, there's not a traditional. It's set. not a traditional set. It's like curtains and chairs. chairs. Yeah, yeah, and like tables. I think right. Tonight, yeah, chairs table. and tables, yeah. and you know, and there's a wagon. But there's not like it's not like the expansive version you're usually you're used to seeing. It's very sparse. And what I love actually is like the sparseness because ev- all 20 characters like compress into a small space when the Russians come in like you can feel the disruption. Mm. Especially because I just love the way Joel did it where he had the Jewish characters dressed in black and the Russian characters dressed in red. And so it's, you could feel that there's a different energy there and you can feel like the, the slowly, the slow encroaching, you know, danger of the revolution, which I don't, like when I first saw the show, it was like in a, in a 500 seat house and I was in the middle. Like I didn't get very much of that. Right, yeah. it, it it shows like it's so menacing, and I love mm-hmm. you know like the sparseness of the set. Also, made me think about you know this show is about you know like last time I saw it on Broadway, like I think it was like three years ago or something. It was like so poignant because we were like in the at the peak of like the Syrian refugee crisis, and back then I was like all I could see in the show was Syria, mm-hmm. and now I couldn't help but think about all the people you know trying to 
from Central, the border. Yeah, yeah, from Central America. Like my people. Unfortunately, it's so sad. So sad. But like this process of the set made me think about how these people, you know, like the characters and Fiddler, and also like the refugees trying to come to anywhere from Europe, Syria, anywhere in the in the world, how they overnight have to pack their entire lives into mm-hmm. like a suitcase and yeah. leave. And yeah, and it's also it's usually not a choice. Yes, it's never because I mean I, I I know for both of us who are both refugees, like it you you don't like pack up and leave because it, because and you go to America because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you pack up because one day like a bunch of Russians go into your village and and are like, you got to go or else we kill you. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Did and you, s- what did you get to? see the museum before seeing the show no because like, oh god it's so depressing and i mean this in the best way because i oh showed my up god i can't i i don't think i'd be able to do yeah, you would have like di- like i was yeah. like dying like because like if you go it was my first time at the actual museum i'd been at their performing center before to see other musicals mm-hmm. but uh I showed up an hour early and i was like i might as well go see the museum right and it's a history of you know jewish culture and a lot of it focuses, obviously, on the Holocaust. So, like, I was, like, immersed Ooh. in a journey about, like, yeah. And then I sat through Fiddler. It was a very dark evening for me. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, like, Fiddler is not one of those shows you, you think you're going to go in and have a good time. Because, like, everyone's, like, dancing in the beginning. And then it just turns so quickly. And you don't leave feeling good. Especially now, because you know some of those characters, they are screwed. Yes. Oh, one artistic back, back to like the artistic stuff of the show, though. One one small thing that I, I love that Joel Gray did was like he made the fiddler a woman. Yes. Like I've never seen a fi- female fiddler on the roof, and it kind of I feel like the character of Tevya, who is played wonderfully by the very handsome Stephen Skybell, which by the way, he's Tevya's kind of a daddy. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. I was like, "Hey, daddy!" <laughs> like he, he he could just go to a gay bar in Bushwick and he would not be out of place. <laughs> totally. But anyway, but I what I love about it because Tevi is like like he talks about tradition, but like he loves women in, in his life so much and they influence so much of his decisions. And so I love like by making the fiddler a woman, it kind of shows like just how like much how important like the feminine fem- feminine energy the fe- like the feminine presence is in his life mm-hmm. and jackie hoffman was perfect uh and who does she play the matchmaker the matchmaker yes yeah it's like even though i couldn't understand the word she was saying <laughs> she was it was just body language it's just body language and you know what it's like when you can't understand when we can't understand each other that's all that we have you know amen yeah Anyway, so which show? Oh, shoot, I forgot to tell everyone like how much things cost. So Fiddler on the Roof is currently playing to until October 25th and tickets are 75 to $150 and Head Over Heels is an open run and hopefully it won't close soon and tickets are 49 to 290. Jose, which one would you see again? You know, just based on Wanting to feel like happy, I would go see Head Over Heels again. <laughs> but 
I thought Ooh, both were like baby, really good. Do you know that? Um, yeah, it depends on my mood. Yes. You know, like both of these were just really well-made productions for very different reasons. Oh, and both of them are about like breaking away from tradition. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Or, by the way, I learned that Fiddler in Yiddish is Fiddler. Mind blown. Mind blown. But anyway, so so if I was feeling pensive about the world, I'd see Fiddler again. <laughs> and if I want joy, I'll see Head Over Heels again. But both are worth seeing. Yes. I think. Both are great productions. Yeah. And it's, and I think, I feel like so far, most of the musical, usually musicals in the summer, have you noticed this? Musicals that open in the summer, most of the time they kind of suck. And I feel like so far, like between these two and be be more chill, like the call the caliber of stuff that's open this summer is better than in past summers. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Although you have to see a couple of things that have opened on Broadway recently. I know, but you know what? They <laughs> won't let me into Pretty Woman, and I, I I don't regret that now after having seen Head Over Heels because I'm happier giving that show some love. Yes. Rather than something that's you know apparently artistically lazy. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I've heard people no, have said. No comment. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's no interview, so let's just go straight into our 11 o'clock number where we rant and rave about something for a few minutes. I think you should rant about, and it's not theater related, but I think you should rant about Crazy Rich Asians. Why am I ranting about Crazy Rich Asians? Because it took over, like, it's like <laughs> the pop culture. It's like, you know, like, it's like, it's amazing. The reason why I brought up the movie, even though it's not theater, is because I think theater could learn a lot from what Crazy Rich Asians is doing, which is like, literally, if you build it, they will come. Like, you saw the movie, like, in a room full of other like Asian journalists, right? Yeah. And I saw it like at the regular AMC, but it was such a diverse audience. Like every time I go see like a Catherine Heigl, don't judge, or like a Jennifer Aniston or whatever, like rom com, it's like a bunch of, you know, white ladies. Mm-hmm. Like white girls and their moms or, you know, like their friends or whatever. Everyone at Crazy Rich Asians was look different like you know there were like african-american people like there were hispanic people like yeah queer people like it was so cool and you don't see that at most you know like summer rom-coms or even any summer movies for that matter. right because rom-coms are usually like about rich white people boring boring here's a news flash people producers it doesn't matter who you put in the show most of the time it matters if the show is good Yep. If the show is good, it doesn't matter what race of people you cast. And most of the time, if you cast people of different races and and genders and types, then you'll get then the audience will reflect that because here's here's the thing about marginalized people. Like we support our people. And if they are represented, we come. Like Peppermint is probably bringing in so many fans of RuPaul's Drag Race and so many gender queer, gender non-conforming people by the virtue of her uh, her her being in the show. And mm-hmm. they may have not gone to like a musical prior to this. How do we expand audiences and make a lot of money? Maybe do some diverse hiring. Yeah, I want like a 
a theater version of Crazy Rich Asians. Not necessarily like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians, the musical, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I want to see a show about African American people, like Asian American people, like Hispanic people. That's not about like being, you know, Hispanic. Asian American or African American, but it's just like a silly rom com. I want that. Yeah, a silly story. Yeah. We need that. Yeah. Or I, I, mean, I have seen those, but it's like low budget. Like, I want it on Broadway. Yes, please. I want like all the lights on it, and I want it to not be a tragedy where someone has to be saved. Yes, please. No more tragedies. No more tragedies. No. Just give us a fun, light, you know, non non sexist. You know, f- fling and big wedding gowns and water. Yes, and big wedding gowns and couture. Yes, please. All right. Well, we'll co- we'll be back at you in two weeks from now with another episode, and hopefully by then we'll have an interview. When all the people come back. <laughs> when all the York. people come back. <laughs> but thank you all for listening to this episode of Token Theater Friends. You can find links to things that we talked about on americantheater.org. Token Theater Friends has a page on the site or subscribe to us on iTunes for the podcast. And if you if you want to watch our videos, so subscribe on YouTube, uh, rate and review us. You know, it helps people find us and it, it will make me and Jose happy. Speaking of happy, before I forget, did I tell you that when I went to Head Over Heels, someone approached me and he said that he was a huge fan of our show. So, what? yeah, I was so like excited like nervous like what's going on that i forgot to ask this person their name so whoever you are if you're listening thank you so much it meant the world to me and when i told deep i think it also meant the world to deep so thank you for listening thank you for supporting our mission of trying to bring more people into the theater so that we're not the only people of color sitting in those seats yeah and say hi on twitter because i forgot to ask your name yeah say hi on twitter All right, and remember, theater's more fun when you take your friends. Bye. Bye.